and welcome to Talking General Practice, the podcast from GP Online. I'm Emma Bauer, the editor of GP Online. Throughout August, we're showcasing some of the best interviews from Series 1. This week, I'm talking to GP and menopause expert Dr Louise Newson in an interview that was recorded in September 2021. We talk about improving menopause care and education for doctors and other healthcare professionals. We also discuss how her career led her to become one of the UK's most recognisable experts on the menopause and the new charity, the Menopause Charity, which she launched earlier in 2021. I'm delighted to be joined now by GP and menopause specialist, Dr. Louise Newson. Louise is the director of Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Centre in Stratford-upon-Avon and also a founder and trustee for the Menopause Charity, a charity she set up with the aim of empowering women with evidence-based knowledge and helping to educate doctors about the menopause. Louise has also developed a menopause information website for women, menopausedoctor.co.uk, and a free app called Balance to help women negotiate the symptoms of the menopause. Her new book, Preparing for the Perimenopause and Menopause, became a Sunday Times number one bestseller just a week after it was published. Along with aiming to raise awareness among women, she's also lectured at conferences and events for doctors and is involved in research around the menopause. She's recently taken on a role as an advisor to NHS England for their National Menopause Programme. Thanks for joining us, Louise. Oh, thanks, Emma. It's great. Thank you for inviting me. I was wondering if we could talk a bit about your journey from GP to menopause specialist. Why did you make that move and and how did you go about doing it? It's really interesting because I don't have a one year, three year, or even five year plan. And if someone had met me or I'd met myself 10 years ago and I'd been told that I'd be doing what I'm doing, I would have said, don't be ridiculous. How can you fill up your career? and your life thinking about the menopause so I as as you might know I've got a background of hospital medicine actually I never really wanted to be a GP I wanted to be a hospital physician I've also got an immunology and pathology degree so I'm very interested in the study of disease so I went through my medical training went through my postgraduate training got both parts of MRCP and then I had to make a real decision about my career but I was married at this time to my long-suffering husband who I met in Freshers Week when I was 18 and he's a surgeon and I just thought actually it was at a time where it's very hard to be part-time as a female or, or male indeed so I decided to go into general practice you know this was in 1999 2000 and general practice was hard then and it's obviously got so much harder And I loved being with patients, but I felt frustrated that I wasn't doing enough for some of them. And I then became part-time because I was very fortunate to have children. And I I think I then actually was approached by GP magazine because I'd been awarded distinction in the uh, exam. And someone from GP contacted me and said, would you like to write about what it's like to get things or whatever and I said yeah that would be great and then I think I pestered someone and said actually I'd really like to do a series writing about evidence-based medicine and then I decided to put it in a book but then I also realized that patients didn't know what a lot of information was so I started to do a lot of work for then it was patient.co.uk and now it's patient.info and did some lots of patient information writing and I, that's how I supplemented my career, really. As, so I did one day a week as a GP in the end when I had three children and life got very chaotic and absolutely loved it. But then I did all this medical writing and I felt it was a real privilege because it was almost like I was being paid to be kept up to date. So why the menopause? I've always really enjoyed doing menopause care. It's transformational medicine because you're helping the women, you're helping their symptoms because you're treating the underlying cause. But also I know that I was improving their future health because I've read so much that we know women who take HRT have a lower risk of 
really important diseases, so heart disease, diabetes, osteoporosis, dementia. So I was rubbing my hands with glee when I saw perimenopause and menopausal women, because I thought there's very few things in, in medicine, especially in general practice, where women or men or children come back and say, thank you, you've changed my life. But this was happening a lot in menopause. But at the back, I was with quite a big partnership and the partners were telling me off for prescribing HRT and saying, you shouldn't be doing this because it's dangerous. It's going to give them breast cancer. I said, it's not actually, you should read the evidence. They said, well, we haven't got time, but we know it's dangerous. You shouldn't be doing it. So I'd put people on HRT. They would take people off HRT. The women would come back to me. And I was really getting very frustrated, as you can imagine. But then in 2015, the NICE guidance came out, the National Institute of Health and Care Excellence Guidance, for the diagnosis and management of the menopause. And this was really pivotal, actually, because actually it represents everything that I've been saying and writing about um, for the last sort of well, the previous 10 years or so. And then the year after, the International Menopause Society guidance came out. And I thought, right, this is great. So I can really hold my head up, but my... My partners didn't want to learn. The local CCG didn't want to learn. They kept pushing me back. So I went on some training, did some more. And then I decided to write the website, as you say, Menopause Doctor, because when I Googled menopause and HRT, it was coming up of heart disease, breast cancer, terrible risks all the time, nothing about benefits. So I thought, well, if no one else is doing it, I'll do it then. And so I decided to start writing. Meanwhile, experiencing some of my own perimenopausal symptoms, which in hindsight was so obvious that I thought it was because I was working too hard. Um, and then I started to really want to do more. And I went to two different CCGs. I went to quite a few different big multi-centre GP practices and said, I'd really like to do a, do a clinic. They said, there's no funding. You can't do it. So I went to our local gynecology department. They said, the only clinic we have is once a month on a Monday. And that's the day I did my general practice. So I couldn't work there either. So my mentor said to me, we'll set up a private clinic. And I said, I don't want that. I do really don't want to do private medicine. I've never, ever wanted to because I work for the NHS. And she said, well, it's the only way you'll be able to help people. So I thought I'd do one day a week. And I did that. Um, and after about six weeks, I was getting busier and busier. And women were just contacting me from all over the country saying, I'm really struggling. I can't work I have had a, my ovaries removed 20 years ago and since then I've been diagnosed with fibromyalgia chronic fatigue depression anxiety recurrent migraines my life's terrible and no one's given me hormones so I just thought I had no idea because I was in my bubble as a GP I just helped the people that saw me so it's just sort of stemmed from there actually you started the menopause charity this year can you sort of explain a bit about the charity and what you're hoping to achieve with it a lot of my work is about trying to reach as many women as possible. And um, someone I work with and respect, who's a really good mentor of mine as well, Marcus Daly, said to me when I opened the clinic three years ago, slow down, Louise, because you can't help every woman. And when someone says can't, it's like, of course I can. I can just do it in different ways. Um, and so now the, the clinic's massive. It's the largest menopause clinic in the world. But it's only the tip of the iceberg that we're seeing. So the app obviously is to try and help people, but the missing part is a charity and there isn't a good menopause charity. And I really want it to be able to reach as many women. And I'm very conscious of women who are really missing out on the menopause. So women from socioeconomic 
classes, different socioeconomic classes, ethnic groups, people with language problems, um, women in different countries. And I thought it would be really good to have a charity that's led by what women want and need and also what men want and need. And um, one of the things that isn't available for people is a helpline. Um, somewhere people can phone up and have someone who's acting as an advocate for them to help guide them. And it's a huge amount of work funding and setting up a charity. But we've got there. We've just recruited a new CEO who's very experienced. And I'm really hopeful that it's going to be really a very important charity, actually. It's crazy there isn't a menopause charity. We've had a lot of interest. We've got some great um, ambassadors and supporters and loads of people who really want to um, volunteer and help. And I think there's something isn't there about women helping women. It's really quite emotional. And, you know, I don't want to get too sad, but the suffering for women who are neglecting their own hormones is immense. As part of your work, and it's it's sort of linked to the charity as well, you've been very involved over your career in educating GPs and hospital doctors and other healthcare professionals about the menopause. Do you think there's real gaps in the education that healthcare professionals receive about the menopause when they're training? Absolutely. I I, I wish I'd say it got better, but I'm not sure that it really has. Certainly, you know, I, as an undergraduate, I had just told it, of course, a few hot flushes, really. Um, Even when I did obstetrics and gynecology for six months, I didn't, don't remember doing anything there. If training as a GP, nothing at all. So all my learning has been self-directed. Um, I am an advanced specialist in the British Menopause Society. It's quite hard because people have been really scared of HRT, so therefore they don't know how to prescribe it. So we're getting better at diagnosing it because women are telling us as GPs, they're saying, I am perimenopause or menopausal, and obviously our app is helping with that. But then GPs think, oh, no, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to say. There's too much in the BNF. You've put together some training for doctors and health professionals called Confidence in the Menopause. Can you tell me a bit about that? We filmed actresses, um, including my mother, actually, who's the older person in it, um, showing them how in 10 minutes you can really transform someone's life and you can give them information, you can act in an evidence-based way and prescribe HRT safely. And it's all remote, so it's linked to the evidence. There's lots of links to the current evidence, the papers, the guidelines. Um, You can stop and pause the videos and you can fast forward to pertinent bits. There's lots of lectures on there as well. There's ability to feedback as a community. We're doing this in conjunction with 14 Fish, who, as you know, are very good with appraisals. We've given it for free, and this is one of the things that Charity launched when it started, announced that we would give one free course to every GP, actually. Um, and I thought maybe there'd be a few hundred that would be interested. This was about four months ago after Davina's programme. And our figures yesterday were more than 14,000 have downloaded it. Really good, isn't it? But it also reflects and shows that healthcare professionals want more information. They're not downloading it because it's free and they want to just watch something. They want to learn and they really want to help women, um, which is great. So actually from this month, from September, we have announced that it's going to be free for any healthcare professional, not just in the UK, but worldwide as well, because that's great. I think if it's free, more people will access it and then more women will get help, which will make me feel happy. (laughs) I didn't realise that you were going to make it free for everyone. I think that's, that's brilliant. Is there still a lot of controversy around HRT in medical circles? Are there still a lot of doctors who um, are confused about the evidence around HRT? 
Yeah, definitely. But I think I think that the noise is changing, the narrative is changing. You know, when I opened my clinic three years ago, most days, but at least once or twice a week, I would have an email or a letter or a phone call from a healthcare professional really been very rude saying what are you doing this is awful I refuse to prescribe HRT for my patient you should never have started it and some of the the messages were very threatening actually and to the extent I wanted to give up but now actually people are saying gosh if if Dr Louise Newsom's doing that or her clinic's doing that then it must be right and so I think it's very hard though I understand it because what I'm trying to do is change people's perceptions of something that they've been told something different about the other thing is it's really hard because when we prescribe HLT, it will come up with a warning of all the risks, including breast cancer. Yet we know that body identical HRT has never been shown to have a statistically significant increased risk of breast cancer, and estrogen on its own has a lower risk of breast cancer associated with it. And so I can completely understand until that changes, there's still going to be resistance by some people. There's a survey that the BMA did, and it showed that loads of female doctors, including GPs, were cutting back their hours, stepping back from leadership roles, and even quitting medicine altogether because of symptoms of the menopause. And 90% of 2,000 doctors who responded to that poll said that their symptoms had impacted on their working lives. And I'm sure, obviously, the statistics would be the same for nurses and any other health profession as well. What, What do you think... The NHS and GP practices, you know, GPs as employers, what do you think they need to to do to provide better support for women experiencing the menopause? It's it's really sad, that study, because no one really picked up on it. And um, there is a real recruitment crisis in general practice as well. Um, So I think it's about employers making it easy to access information actually um, it, there's a lot of talk about employers doing a lot more for the menopause and my sort of pushback is we don't have a broken arm policy because if someone who worked for me came in with their arm hanging at a weird angle and in pain I would just tell them to the nearest A&E and tell them to sort their arm out and then come back and you can carry on working with the menopause we shouldn't be saying to women reduce your hours have flexible working because that's less pay that's less identity that's less promotion what we should be doing is saying these might be related these symptoms you know download the free app balance get some information recognize it and then this is the nearest clinic this is where you should get help read some information we just um, did a study actually through my not-for-profit of 3,900 women and we found that 59% of women had taken time off work um, and 18% had taken more than eight weeks of work because of their menopausal symptoms. And 50% of those women resigned or took early retirement because of their perimenopause or menopause. Um, and around 20% had just stopped trying to get a promotion at work. Um, And it's no surprise, actually. It's really no surprise, but it's just awful, actually. And even talking from personal experience, I was really struggling with my memory. I'm always bad with names, but that's just a a thing. But I couldn't remember the names of drugs. I couldn't remember what a patient was telling me. I couldn't even word find very well. And I was incredibly exhausted. So this is me working one day a week as a GP. So if someone had said to me, reduce your work, well, how can you reduce from one day a week? I would have had to have given up my work and my career. And I was very muddled and angry and 
full of migraines and just full of apathy. I couldn't be willing to do anything. So if I hadn't got access to HRT, which I couldn't get from my NHS GP, I would have had to just leave work and I think my husband would have left me and I wouldn't be a good mother for my children. So this is me as a middle-class woman with access to help and education. So I can see every clinic, I see women who have given up their jobs, whose partners have left them, a lot of them are suicidal. And it shouldn't be this hard just to get your own hormones back, really. It has felt there's been a a bit of a shift in the last year or so about discussing the menopause. And obviously, I mean, you've obviously been really one of the driving forces behind that. I mean, I mm. watched that Davina McCall documentary on Channel 4, which you were on as well. Um, and, you know, I really thought it was pretty groundbreaking. It really smashed down some taboos, you know, talking about things like vaginal dryness on a primetime TV, you know, things that a lot of people don't really understand the impact that those things have on women. You know, and also, obviously, the success of your book shows, you know, there's a lot of appetite for information out there. Do you think things are starting to change? I think it is less of a taboo and it's really good that the conversation's opening up. I think what we're trying to do, or certainly what I'm trying to do, is not even think about it as a women's health problem, but think it as a global health problem, actually, and something that does affect all women, but also men indirectly as well. And I think also if we look at it as a health risk, so it's a long-term hormone deficiency with health risks, rather than something that causes a few symptoms which may or may not affect a woman, then it's very different. And I think when I sort of lecture healthcare professionals and I'll say, well, actually there's more benefit for cardiovascular risk reduction taking HRT than there is taking aspirin or statin, they go, wow, I had no idea. That's incredible. And I didn't know that until I looked at the, the stats. But actually, HRT also reduces risk of diabetes, obesity, everything else, which a statin won't do. Um, so, and it's cheap. It's dirt cheap. So, um, do you know what? I wish 20 years ago someone had taught me about the menopause because I have missed thousands of women because I've never thought about it because no one taught me. So it's, it, it's no one's fault, but I think we need to move forwards more than we are. Just one final question. If you could give a GP or a nurse or any healthcare professional that's listening to this one key bit of advice about what they should do or how they should help, how they can best support women who come to see them who are suffering from the menopause, what would you what would you say to them? I think there's two things really, actually, because um, I think about it a lot because I realise in general practice half, you know, 10 minutes is nothing, is it? Or 20 minutes if they're a nurse. I think there's two things. Firstly, it's about empowering the women and then being prepared. So obviously my book is called Preparing for the Perimenopause and Menopause. Let women who are your patients do the work. We do it for other diseases, for diabetes, for asthma. It's about self-directed learning, isn't it? And it's about shared decision-making. We can't share a decision if our patients aren't empowered. So get them to download the free app. There's a health report they can generate from it. And that can be used for the first 30 seconds of the consultation. Then you've got the diagnosis there. If the woman then is empowered, you can have some very easy conversations about what type dose HRT, lifestyle is really important, everything else as well. And then you can just move forward with it. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another interview from the archives. And we're back with new podcasts from the 9th of September. Don't forget, you can keep up with all the latest news affecting general practice and access a host of other resources at gponline.com. 